Two middle-aged men in Cleveland, the ever-famous, the guy who's trying to recover from fireworks from the fourth, <laughs> Ted Klopp, and yours truly, Kent Warsnick. Ted, episode 92. Uh, I mean, I do I even have to ask you who you think of when you think of 92, who M- wore a sports jersey? MDP. MDP. Now, did you like him more as a player, or do you enjoy his uh, sandwich at McDonald's better? Uh, I, I think I liked him more as a player. I did too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a heck of a sandwich. Courtney Brown was also 92. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like Courtney Brown. I same. uh, He's not, uh, I don't think he's Michael Dean Perry. No, boy, that guy just had a charisma about him and all that. I I guess it was kind of cool. His brother was. The fridge played for the yeah. Bears and all that. So yeah. Well, Ted, let's get into it. Fourth of July. Oh. I mean, thank God yeah. we have to work because uh, I need a vacation from <laughs> from my vacation. Jeez, from all needs. from all the sound, all the noise. I, I must say that uh, we took in some fireworks on Sunday. We didn't do it on Fourth uh, of July because we already saw some fireworks. But my gosh, people are just blowing off the fireworks left and oh, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but here in Rocky River, I mean, it it continued probably till almost two or three in the morning. Oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. It was just constant. I mean, I know they're legal, but I mean, is there no curfew on that or anything? Well, it's based on the community. I know in Parma, I they're see. still not legal, so you okay. can't you can't be doing that there. But. Good luck trying to stop all that. I right. Mean, police have a no. lot to do as it is. So. Right. Did you take in regular fireworks yourself somewhere? Or did you no. did you watch with the family? No, we didn't do any fireworks. We were we were fireworkless. Oh, okay. We uh, our activities this weekend included, but we're not limited to baseball, oh. swimming, and a movie. Wow, is that what you did? What did the kids do? That's that's what we all did. Oh, you all did that. I'm yes. sorry. Fair enough. Yes, I gotcha. Yeah. Speaking of baseball, we've had oh. some good stories about that. My oh. my two children do not play baseball. They did at one point in time, but they're involved with soccer. And my son is training for cross country. He's going to be a freshman in high school. But we've had a few discussions about, uh, you know, baseball and Little League and all that stuff. You got wh- what's going on? How, well, how are we had with Little League. So uh, my oldest two are in there. It's the first level of kid pitch. And, you know, kind of like the players, the umpires aren't the best, but, you know, it's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. And, you know, if you're going to complain about them, then grab your clicker and get out there. Yeah. Um, All I look for from an umpire, I don't care if you make bad calls, just try to be as consistent as you can and be loud. Yeah. So Everybody knows what's going on. The umpire we had was neither of those. And in the last inning, we're playing a team that's second in second place right now. And uh, he called, he called uh, strike three. And there was some confusion as to whether or not it was strike three. Well, the umpire had strike three. I had strike three on the app. And at least one of our coaches had three strikes. And, you know, the head coaches don't always, they're not always paying attention to every 
strike. They're looking at the alignment in the outfield and stuff like that. So they call this kid out and we switch. Well, the mom of the kid who struck out, the kid didn't think it was three strikes. Okay. But the ump had three strikes. Right. So I would think the argument should stop there, Mm -hmm. but no, she argued. She didn't argue with the umpire. She came over and started arguing with us because we agreed with the umpire. And she, so she's like, one of our assistant coaches like, well, the first pitch was a strike. She says, no, you're wrong. It was a ball. He said, well, he called it a strike. No, he didn't. Well, that's what I heard. Well, you're wrong. And he said, okay, well, I'm wrong. But the umpire had three strikes. She said, well, that's wrong. And um, the coach from the other team was like, why? It said to our coach, why are you arguing with a parent? And I said, he's a parent too. Why are we all arguing about Little League Baseball? Ah, good answer. And it kind of slowed down and ended there. <clears throat> so it just, you know, I mean. Yeah. Here's a, here's a life lesson. You may not have heard it correctly, but the guy in charge said it was three strikes. So move on. Well, that's, and that's a good lesson for the kids to learn as well. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily the correct call, but that's the call that's made. Move on. The, the, other the adversity th- and go from there. The other thing I was thinking, which I didn't say, but I certainly thought was I wanted, I felt like asking the, the mother if she was this passionate about her son's grades. <laughs> Cause I'm going to guess I know the answer and I think you probably do too, but you know, I, nothing good would have come from that question. All right. So I have to have a question for the audience here. You talk about an app. What is it that you're doing? during? Okay. So uh, we use, it's called game changer and it keeps track of, I keep track, everybody, you keep track of balls and strikes for the purpose of uh, in our league, a pitcher can pitch no more than either three innings or 50 pitches, whichever comes first. And so the primary purpose is the, the two questions that I get from the coach uh, most consistently are how many pitches are we at for either our guy or their guy? And where are they in their lineup? Are they at the top of their lineup, the bottom of the lineup? Um, we don't usually look too much at, you know, I couldn't tell you the last time anybody said, well, did this kid get a hit last time or did he strike out? Yeah. So those are the main things that and making sure that our kids know where we are in the order. Yeah, no, that's, that's certainly so a big deal. That's top. nice that you could do that yeah. electronically. Now that was always a pain. Cause I would oh, yeah. remember, you know, you'd write it on those sheets and then those sheets would blow away and then you couldn't read it cause you erased it and all that stuff. 15 times. That is nice to kind of keep things orderly. That's nice that you do that too. Cause a lot of parents I imagine are like, Oh, that's the last thing I want to do. You know? Right. So, well, we have, we have, one of the parents on our team. So we don't worry about where the kids are in the field because that changes every inning, but the order of the batting doesn't change. We have one parent who apparently asked the coach why her kids stats in the field aren't updated correctly. (laughs) These are fifth and sixth grade. Oh man. I mean, if you want me to score it correctly, they're going to be a lot of errors. Yeah. You know, if a kid hits the ball to second base, the second baseman drops the ball and the kids first save it first. Yeah. And how I score that, that's a single. Right. 
If yeah, you have steals, to, you'd have a, yeah, you'd have yeah, an error on every if, play. If you, if the kid steals third because the catcher lost the ball and threw it to third and it was an inaccurate throw, do I score a pass ball and a bad throw or do I say stolen base? Yeah. I say stolen base. Stolen base. Give him some stats. So, um, it's, oh my, it's interesting. But, you know, we're having fun. And at the end of the day, that's, well, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And you, how many, how many games you got left? You, I mean, you guys are almost uh, done at the end of July, two. right? No, uh, no, the uh, playoffs start uh, next week. Playoffs? <laughs> playoffs? Yeah, we, we may not have much in the way of playoffs. Our that's team started uh, three and oh, we're now three, six and one. Is there any way we could blame you for this? I mean, well, you can, um, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, I suppose you I could do a better job in the app. Put, put, put uh, the I mean, maybe correctly and give us put the all the information in yes. so the kids know what they're hitting and what side of the field the ball's being yes. hit. Come on. Yes. Yes. Well, the my favorite part of working on the app, you know, when there's a big play, it takes me a minute. You know, I got to, okay, second base through to first, through right. to third. You know, I got to think about all that and put it in. Meanwhile, there's at least one kid who's asking me what the score is. Yep. My wife might be asking me what I want for dinner. And one of my kids is probably asking where their catcher's gear is. You got to multitask. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. You're doing a hell of a job. Keep it Thank up. Thank you. Yep. I'll get off my soapbox now. It's okay. We're going to move on because coming up on this week's show, we're going to stick with with baseball, we're going to talk some wiffle ball. The eighth annual Twinsburg World Series of Wiffle Ball is next month. We're going to talk with the man who puts it all together. Rich Swerbinski is here. So is our Cleveland sports guru. That's what it says in his business card. Cleveland sports guru, Dusty Sloan. Talk with him about a historical event for the Cavaliers and LeBron James. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Cleveland historian John Grabowski is also here. We will talk with him about the old Cleveland arena. And Jen Brazdovich from Destination Cleveland is ready with the Cleveland calendar because the fun didn't end on the 4th. No, no, no. More fun to come. We've got all that. Plus overachievers, good news, clops, clips, out and about, and much more. And now... A woman's perspective. What's the difference between men and government bonds? Bonds mature. This has been a woman's perspective. Blah blah blah. 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 Our guest today is the director of the 8th Annual Twinsburg World Series of Wiffle Ball. I didn't know there was a World Series of Wiffle Ball, but we found out that there is, and it's just east of us. And uh, so we thought it would be interesting to learn a little bit more about this. Uh, Clearly, it's more than just a backyard game that kids play. At least that's what I grew up with. Is that what you grew up with, Ken? A little bit, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk with... Uh, the director, Rich Swerbinski. Rich, thanks for your time. Tell me, what is the world, the Twinsburg World Series of Wiffle Ball? Well, first off, thanks for having me. Really honored to be on the show. And 
Yeah, it was started nine years ago. We had one non-played year because of the pandemic, but sure. we started it in 2013 as a joke. Uh, at the time, I was the president of the Twinsburg Baseball League, uh, the local organization that, that kind of runs youth baseball in, in Twinsburg. And uh, we really needed a, a new baseball field in the city for younger kids. All the baseball diamonds were larger and our T-ball and our coach pitch kids needed a fun little field with some character to play at. So baseball fields are evidently really expensive. So we, you know, as part of at that time, a, a PR campaign more than anything, uh, talked about the World Series of Wiffle Ball that we were going to host in Twinsburg to raise money for a field for, for young kids. And I uh, really, it, my thought at the time was really just to raise awareness for the need of a new field. But a couple months later, like almost 50 teams showed up and, and played. And, and then the event just continued to slowly grow each year and really exploded in growth last year and is going to explode by many multiples <laughs> based on all indications. So. Rich, 114 teams last year for the event, and you have a bunch of different divisions, which is just outstanding. I, I guess as I'm looking from the outside and I've kind of been in charge of events before, if I hear that 114 different teams, which I think on a team, is it seven, eight, something like that on each team? I mean, that's that's a lot of people in one area at one time. How do you guys keep it so organized? Tell us a little bit behind the scenes what goes into this. Yeah, there's four players on a team. You actually can have three. It's three or four players on a team. But the majority of the players are kids, so they're bringing parents, family with them. I mean, we had several thousand people up at Liberty Park last year, and, and this year we're expecting to potentially double the size of it. Oh, my gosh. Just based on we got some media coverage last year and it just the word is kind of spreading um, some marketing we're doing. But well, it, let's be honest, being on this podcast, 114 is going to be 230 before you know uh, it. We're, that was my one reservation about coming <laughs> to the show was that put the event uh, at an untenable level for us. But uh, it, uh, it is a lot, it's a lot to manage. We're, we're lucky to have a great committee of about a dozen people. Um, the event is nonprofit, so we're all volunteers doing this. Um, the event raised about $8,000 last year for Twinsburg Baseball. Uh, we, we got that field built based in uh, 2019. Forgot to mention that. We're raising money each year. Um, and this year, we feel like the event can, can raise maybe fifteen dollars to $20,000 for youth baseball in the area, which would mean, you know, maybe another field or enhancements to fields, equipment. Uh, other things that, that we could really do to help the kids. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, if you go to uh, the website, which is worldseriesofwiffleball.com, uh, you'll find a lot of uh, good information there. One thing that I noticed you guys have the Players Club performing at the event this year. Tell us about, uh, tell us who these guys are and. Uh, you, you got You're expanding here. We got entertainment now, huh? We really, we've had a DJ always, and you know, like the cone ice truck, and you know, we've we've always had some entertainment stuff. But just with the event, really, the, the event last year caught us off guard. How much it grew? I mean, being honest, we were at I think 78 teams in 2019. 
We didn't do it in 2020 because of the pandemic. Um, we never considered not doing it in 2021, but being honest, going into last year, I didn't know what we were going to get with the year off. Like I was like in my, in my head, I was like, man, if we just match the 78 teams from 2019. I'll be happy. It went to the next level next year. As you've seen on the website, I have a lot of fun with some humor around the event and the emails we send out and some things you'll see on the 2022 updates tab of the website. And the event just kind of took on a life of its own. So when the committee first got together this year, I think the first thing we identified is we need to take the event to the next level uh, in terms of entertainment. Uh, we're going to have a dunk tank. We're looking at getting a mechanical bull, temporary tattoo artists, but the players club. Um, so these guys, I first saw them in an NBA finals game. They played outside quick and loans arena. I was one of the games against the warriors uh, in 2016 and they dress in all NBA throwback jerseys. They're hysterical and they're a great band. I, I think their self-proclaimed definition of the band is they play all the best dance songs of the last 50 years with extreme aggression. <laughs> so they, they just, they go out, they get after it. It seemed like the perfect band for our event so when I was starting to think about the band to bring in I'm like you know what I, those guys were hysterical and awesome I reached out to him sent the guy an email he called me a couple hours later and the deal was done so the players will wow. be playing live in uh, the weekend of the event so that's awesome that's really cool I highly recommend everyone goes to the website Ted mentioned it before make sure you go to the 2022 updates Rich your sense of humor is absolutely outstanding I showed this to Ted before we got on here I said <laughs> this is definitely the person and the group we want on here it's funny stuff I'm not going to give it away the question I have obviously it's the you know World Series of wiffle ball where do some of these teams come from Rich I mean obviously we're thinking of Northeast Ohio how far out do people come for this event? Last year was six different states. We had wow. teams come from Maryland and Illinois and Kentucky and Indiana and West Virginia. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of, uh, I, you know, I think it's about 30 or 40 percent of the players are from Twinsburg, but, you know, two thirds are from outside the city. So um, we've got people that come from surrounding communities. We got people that come up from Columbus, down from Toledo, some from Southern Ohio, other states. So uh, I think, you know, we've done a good job, social media and, and spreading the word in different ways that kind of, you know, it's made more people aware of the event and it's become the biggest wiffle ball tournament in the world. So there's just some other wiffle ball like fanatics out there that, uh, that found us through Googling for wiffle ball tournaments. Uh, we have one group out of Michigan called the MLW All-Stars. They have like half a million YouTube followers and, and host their own really highly professional uh, wiffle ball league. So that they come down and, and play. So it's, uh, it's wild. So if I have, you know, I have three kids. So if I have uh, one more, we can enter. What's that process? How, do, how does that work? If I want to enter a team. Teams can have three or four players. So uh -huh. play in the field and then you can bat either three or four. And it the uh, the rules are there's no base running. So we have lines drawn essentially on the wiffle ball fields that we create that are a singles line, a doubles line, off the fence is a triple, over the fence is a home run. And it is 
it's just so fun. The games take on average 50 minutes to an hour. They're four innings and we have a seven to nine age division, 10 to 12, 13 to 15, 16 to 29, 30 plus, And then, you know, female divisions as well. And uh, to sign up all the information is at world series of football.com, uh, including registration as well. And you can really find everything you need to there regarding the event, the rules and, and, to register. Rich, my final question, obviously going back to humor, because once again, I think your page is great. I love some of the best team name winners from, from the years past. Those are really good highlights for me. Swig and a miss that is outstanding. Vicious, delicious, and wifflicious. Very, very good. But I must say last year's team name might be the best with these balls. I mean, that is very well done. I must say. So are there any others from years past that you remember like, Oh my gosh, how do people come up with this? I mean, I know this to be a family podcast. Well, I that's true. Yeah. I can't mention some of my favorites. Okay. Over the years, <laughs> but the, the, uh, the other part too, is the uniforms that the players get in that we do best uniform uh, contests and awards at, at many, at all the different age divisions. So it is really cool. Uh, what has become a big part of the event is the teams crafting their uniforms together. And, and there's just some great stuff. And uh, it, it's really become also a big part of that. Another big part of the event is just, we've seen like what we see in Twinsburg in the months leading up to about this time of year is just with people just destroying their backyards to turn them into to wiffle ball fields. Like we, you know, we obviously, we, we make, we tell, we, we beg them for the pictures of it so we can, we can promote it and, and, uh, and highlight it uh, in, in the marketing of the event. So it, it's been another trend. Wow. Well, if folks uh, uh, want to uh, get more information, we mentioned the website, give it to us uh, one more time and social media, any, any other points of contact that people should know, uh, entry fee, anything like that. Yeah. Entry fees affordable. I think it's 70 bucks for seven to nine year old team. So that's per team, not per player. So you're talking whatever that is, depending on how many kids you have, 20, 30 bucks a kid. Uh, it goes up a little bit by age division, but not much. And uh, yeah, it's as long as you're seven years old by August 12th, we're expanding the tournament this year to Friday night just because of the growth. Uh, so we're going to start Friday at about four or 5 PM and then uh, all day Saturday and Every, every team, you get two randomly drawn pool play games, either Friday night or Saturday. All teams that go one and one or two and oh are seated and advance the championship bracket play on Sunday. So uh, you get two games and uh, registration again is at World Series of Wiffleball.com. Full rules of the event. Even got instructions on there on how to build one of our proprietary wiffle ball backstops which are really cool it's pvc <laughs> pipe cool. and metal and you don't need umpires it's just ping the metal ping the metal it's a strike nice that's awesome wow okay well rich we appreciate the time best of luck with the uh, uh the tournament and uh i don't think ken and i are going to enter because i I, I don't want to pull any uh, muscles and I don't want to, I don't want to scare people away with my gigantic swing. So, but uh, you know, you guys I, should I come out and do a, do a show live. From <clears throat> Last year we had a news channel five came out with their good morning Cleveland broadcast broadcast live from the event. That's cool. Uh, Cleveland.com's kind of done a couple pieces on it. And uh, this year we're, we're, we're hopeful to get a lot of media outlets to come out and take it in. Cause it's, it really is a scene. I mean, 
the park is just a sea of coolers and families and vendors and uh you know we grill out we 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 do a big hospitality tent where we're just grilling you know the smell of grilled meat is in the air it's just really uh, a beautiful thing so that's awesome rich well, i know we'll how to... we can help ted yeah. i have an idea we can yeah. have a booth that we can set up and help people come up with team names that's yeah. what we'll do absolutely that's it yeah, yeah. Uh, and our team name will be the fat guys. I think Pretty much, what we're going to yes. go with. Yeah, that's actually old fat and horny is, is one of my favorite. <laughs> names. That, uh, that is a, that's a team that's been in for five years plus in the uh, 30 plus age division. Amy, we should go with uh, if we find another guy, we could be three middle aged men in Cleveland. Three, yep, there or we actually, go. Be, maybe we should be three middle aged men in Twinsburg. Yeah, that's true. We could do that. Okay. That's true. Or, or we could stick with, we could be two middle-aged men and some other guy. That's yeah, that's true. All uh, right, Rich. Well, uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Great to meet you guys. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Ted, time for the Overachievers. I'd like to nominate you for this award this week for all the work you're doing with youth baseball. Thank you. And I'll nominate myself because I think I nearly had 40 chicken nuggets the other night. So I'm proud of myself. Was Joey Chestnut there compare. at the time? No, not even close. That's, okay. that's a story for another day, too. Okay. But our overachiever, we have a couple, actually. Mm. Jacob Chandler is one of Oregon. He's uh, in the Guinness Book of World Records for finding and alphabetizing all 26 letters of the alphabet from a can of soup. Oh, I didn't even know you could really kind of do that, but that's impressive. He did it in two minutes and 8.6 seconds. Wow. wow. Chandler says preparation for the record included determining the perfect sized bowl and spoon and being able to tell the difference between a W and an M. That would be tough. I would agree. <laughs> that's some research right there. What's the, Ken, oh. what, what do you think the perfect sized bowl is for alphabetizing soup? I mean, do you use like a toothpick to do that? I, I, mean, I have I, no idea. Well, he says spoon, so I'm going to guess spoon. Yeah, he's using a spoon. Yeah, I don't know. Do we have I another mean, hats guy? Off. Hats off to Jacob, but I'm I'm not trying that record. Well, we he's also have Brian Deck of Newcastle, Indiana. He's a competitive bowler carrying a 200-plus average. Wow. He just bowled a 900 series. Oh my gosh. A 900 series is not one, not two, but three, 300 games in a row. That's 36 straight strikes. Wow. Now there's a, uh, a governing body for bowling. It's called the United States Bowling Congress. It has approved 39 other 900 series. The first in 1997. So he is the 40th uh, uh, approved 900 series in 25 years. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's impressive. Obviously a 200 average is unbelievable, but yep. bowl 300, three times. Whew. Yeah. I'm happy if I get 150. That yeah. spares across. This I'm happy seems... if I get two strikes in a row. <laughs> that is, I, I mean, hats off to Brian. I mean, I don't know if we're going to have anything close to that in a while. Nope. But uh, I don't know what's more impressive alphabetizing soup or, Bowling 36 straight strikes, probably the 36 straight strikes. That's good. We can combine those. Maybe, you know, you go out there and bowl and then in between the frames, you could certainly alphabetize soup. I maybe. don't know. 
see how many X's you can find. One for each. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, there you're overachievers. Ted, time for a wonderful segment called Misspeak of the Week. Mm. This week's misspeak, the NATO summit was last week in Spain. Yeah. And of course, we've had this gentleman on before with a misspeak. President Biden was there to represent the United States. He spoke on Thursday and things got off to an interesting start. Thank you uh, very much for taking the time to be here. Uh, I think we can all agree that this has been a historic NATO summit. I'm sorry, we can do what? <laughs> we can. Uh, I think we can all agree. Okay. I don't know what that is. It's a deodorant. I use it all the time. Warm in there or what's going on now? Yeah. Things didn't get any better later in the same remarks. Uh, he, he talked about what well, he tried to talk about the war in Ukraine. We are going to stick with Ukraine and all of the alliance are going to stick with Ukraine as long as it takes to, in fact, make sure that they are not defeated by uh, by Ukraine. <clears throat> We are going to stick with Ukraine and all of the alliance are going to stick with Ukraine as long as it takes to, in fact, make sure that they are not defeated by uh, by Ukraine. Is the war, is, is it a civil war? Uh, <laughs> that's the biggest challenge everyone has. You don't want to defeat yourself. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, my. Well, uh, <clears throat> two for the price of one there in the misspeak of the week. Cleveland! This is for you! Time for another Cleveland sports history. That means we have to bring in the professor, our Cleveland sports historian, Dusty Sloan. And Dusty, we're going to bring an interesting one out for you. This guy did this to us twice. <laughs> we're going to go to <laughs> July 1st, 2018. Our favorite NBA superstar, LeBron James, he agreed to a four-year, $154 million deal with the L.A. Lakers, moving for the second time away from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Dusty, talk about your thoughts at that time when certainly LeBron made that deal with Los Angeles and what you what you just think was going through his mind at that time. Well, I think, it, once again, he was his... Uh... His loyalty is more, I think, to Akron than Cleveland, and his and his loyalty obviously is more to kind of upgrading his brand and wanting to make sure he's good for after basketball. And that, that means acting. That means possibly owning and have, making those connections. You can only do that out in LA, basically. So it certainly wasn't as surprising the second time as it was the first time, but it once again did put the franchise in kind of a backwards posture but luckily now it looks like they're trending in the right direction do you think dusty that he'll uh return to cleveland and play here a third time or you think uh i think we're done seeing him in the wine and gold i think it depends on if the nba is gonna rig the uh draft lottery <laughs> and get braun here i guess that's the bottom line right and if he's got a chance to play with uh braun jr it depends on where he ends up so it's basically the NBA's call, right? Yeah, sure. yeah, that's a good point. I, you know, going back to when he signed the deal, I, I felt obviously like many other people completely different than when he went to Miami, you know, we won a championship and all that. And we kind of saw the writing on the wall as Kyrie wanted out and all this other stuff. But 
as he mentioned, I'll give him credit. He talked about wanting to play in Los Angeles because he wanted to produce movies and shows and all that. And he's done that. He's actually produced a lot of different types of shows, which in all honesty, you can live in L.A. and do that. But you can do that anywhere. As Ted and I have talked to people, you know, the way things have changed with COVID and all that stuff. So what's the next step for James? Obviously, I don't I mean, certainly, yeah, it would be great for him to come back to Cleveland. Does he just retire as a Laker? I mean, what, what do you what do you see him doing? Obviously, most recently he was, you know, he's a billionaire now. One of the few athletes that that's a billionaire. What, what do you see him doing in the future, Dusty? I don't see him retiring as a Laker. I see him retiring. Like I said, I mean, we can joke about the draft lottery all we want. But I think if he's got the opportunity to play even one season with a son in the NBA, he's going to do it. And that obviously means going to wherever he ends up getting drafted. And it's not going to be in L.A., you wouldn't think. So I think that's the next step. And then obviously after that, he's talked about owning a team, whether that's in Las Vegas or someplace else. So I think the natural progression for him would be once he's done playing is to own an NBA team. Yeah, I could see that. Mr. Sloan, thank you. The professor, thanks for your information. Talking about LeBron James, who, you know, if he didn't have enough cash, he got four years, $154 million back in 2018 playing for the Lakers, and I think he'll continue to get cash. Dusty, thanks again. Thanks, guys. Cleveland! This is for you! Ted, we were out and about. Yeah? You know, a couple weeks ago we talked about Michigan. Well, this is an all-Ohio out and about. I was out and about in many different parts of Ohio. Uh, I'll go fast because there's, I mean, it's a lot. Okay. My eating and drinking has got to slow down. I'm, my body is, I feel abused right now. So <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we had the opportunity a couple weekends ago. It was raining. So usually we'd like to do the golf. We bowled. Now I'm not like the gentleman that bowled a 300 game, but we you went to the place called the roll house. Series? Yeah, no, I didn't do that. In North Olmsted, it was fun. It is the, have you done the disco bowling or cosmic uh, yes. bowling, whatever it is? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah cool. the night glow or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, it was fun. Super nice people and all that. And then after that, of course, we had to go somewhere afterwards and went to Fat Heads, which, I mean, <laughs> my gosh, you can't really beat that. So time is moving fast, as you know. We've already been married for a month, if you can believe that. So we celebrated our anniversary for a month at Albatross or Albatro in uh, – the case area. I've been I've been corrected about that multiple times about how you're supposed to say it. Yeah. Albatro, Albatross. Oh, wow. Who picked that place? Oh, it was. I mean, who who do you think picked that? OK, come on. All right. It was awesome. They have a cheese platter. I must say it's it's amazing. They bring it right to your table, all that stuff. You pick it up. But at the end, I, I, I almost contacted you, but I didn't because I know you had baseball. So we went we tried to go to the Fairmount. OK. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. It was packed. But we did find another place that I think you would really like. And I think you might have been there. Parnell's Irish Pub. Have you been there? Um, I've driven past it, but I don't think I've ever been in it. OK, we have to go. I'm seriously. <laughs> we'll meet yourself and Erica there. It is outstanding. They had okay. all kind of different craft cocktails and then obviously all the Irish stuff. It was really cool. Nice. And that was enough. Then we had to go and get cigars and Brian Robusto. And then we went to Simone's and yeah, it just, there we go. Yeah. But I went to an event that I think will bring back a lot of memories to you on Saturday. Awen and I went to mid Ohio 
for the mm-hmm. IndyCar race. Yeah. In Lexington. So I know you used to cover that for WMFD. Oh, yeah. It is awesome. Now, this is one of the few events that I must say, Ted, you bring whatever you want. Yes, yes, you do. You can bring in anything you want. Any beer, any liquor. Event. Anything. What's that? Not a lot of governance. No. And everybody's cool. You just bring a chair and sit there and all that stuff. It was cool. We were there for probably four hours. and There was like four or five different types of vehicles that were on the track that day. It was cool. Yeah. So then we decided to stay in Mansfield after that event and went to a, a very cool place in downtown Mansfield called Phoenix Brewing Company. Highly Phoenix? recommend it. Phoenix. Yeah. Like the bird. Very good. Super nice people. They had all these different uh, beers and craft cocktails. We actually saw some. I met a professor from Ashton University there while we were there. It was cool. It was a very good time. That wasn't enough for us. So then on Monday to celebrate the 4th, we uh, celebrated with uh, my brother, who you know yeah. very well. It's his birthday. Um, so we went to the flats in Cleveland. So we went to Brew Dog, Margaritaville, two places you know pretty well. I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. This other bar that's new, it's called Goodnight John Boy. It's a <laughs> 70s theme bar where they have like, I don't know, all these different older pictures and a huge picture of Farrah Fawcett and a a nude picture of Burt Reynolds. So I thought you'd enjoy that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Then we went to uh, Welcome to the Farm. That's also down there. Uh, just obviously, as it sounds like, it's a country western type of place. Very cool. Then we finished the uh, the afternoon off at Beerhead and then Collision Bend. So mm-hmm. I then basically was was done for the day. So <laughs> that was that was enough. Celebrated <laughs> my brother's 39th birthday and it, it was very wow. Cool. Yeah, that's. that's awesome. uh, that was a lot out and about. How about yourself? Were you well, out and about I, at all? I, I had one out and about. Oh, okay. Uh, a gentleman who you know and uh, longtime listeners may recall, Thor Tolo, who's oh. been on this program before, former uh, Cleveland sportscaster, now out in Seattle, uh, working on his uh, PhD and uh, things like that. He was in town, and we decided to go to a, uh, a Guardians game. Um, and as you know, when you're with Thor, things happen very quickly. He will talk yes. to, he would talk to a door if given the opportunity. So we went to Fat Cats in Tremont for lunch. We had a day game. So we went to Fat nice. Cats for lunch. Girl comes over. This is uh, July 1st, I believe. I think. I don't remember. But whatever. And um, um Girl comes over and says, hi, my name is uh, Susie Q. I'll take, I'll be taking care of you. His response. Hi, Susie. My name is Thor. And my movie opens in eight days. <laughs> Referring to Thor, God of love and thunder or whatever it's called the movie. And he just keeps right on going. Oh. And if you don't listen, you miss all this. And the world's just like, uh, 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 huh? so we go to the game and, uh, there are a number of people that he knows in the Cleveland area. And he knew that one uh, a couple who I also know were going to be at the game, didn't know where they were going to be. And he said, you know, if we, if we run into them, we'll, we'll have some fun. Well, went to get some popcorn in like the fourth inning and saw the wife of the couple. And Thor's like, well, what section are you in? And they tell us 
and they're in a 400 level. So you can walk in from behind. Yeah. So he's like, okay, don't tell your husband. We're going to come up and sit behind him. And so we go up and sit behind him. And we are hollering things about the game, relative stupidity. This guy doesn't, huh? The normal stuff. Yeah. This guy doesn't recognize any voices, nothing. Doesn't turn around. Uh, Jose Ramirez comes up to the plate. Thor says, is this guy any good? I said, I think he's not bad. And then I think it was Fran Mel Reyes is up next. And I said, our cleanup hitter is batting 214. And that got his attention, the gentleman in front of us. Because he's a, you know, pretty into the game. And he turns around, looks me square in the eye and says, yeah, they don't have a lot of protection for Ramirez. And I look him square in the eye. Doesn't recognize. Now, I've seen this. I know this guy. You know, I, my dad sold these sold these people their the house they live in. Oh my gosh! Okay, we know. Yeah, him. yeah. As he looks at me, looks right back at the game. No clue. Thor's ready to fall out of his chair. I can imagine. And he's like, "You need to say more, and then we'll eventually, you know, we'll give it away somehow." I said, "No, no, no." I was of the opinion that what we needed to do was I needed to continue the conversation for like two more innings. And then we just get up and leave and don't tell them we were ever there. <laughs> but we didn't do that. So after the oh, next God. half inning, Thor told me to holler, Hey, isn't that Thor Tolo over there? So I holler, Hey, isn't that Thor Tolo over there? And the guy looks and he says, no, no, that can't be Thor Tolo over there. <laughs> and I oh, looked I at him and he looks at me and he said, I said, well, why not? And he said, oh, he lives in Seattle now. He's, he's working on his PhD. There's he's, he, he couldn't be here. And I said, well, what do you think the odds are that he's here? And he said, he's one of my best friends. I would know if he was here. The odds are like nil. <laughs> and I said, what's he doing in Seattle now? And the guy says, He's working on his PhD. At which point Thor says, wow, PhD, he must be a genius. <laughs> and the guy kind of oh, glances no. at Thor and says, oh, no, Thor's an idiot. I know him real well. He's a knucklehead. <laughs> at which He's point an idiot. his wife slaps him on the back. To try to get his attention, and that's when he finally we. Oh know, my God! Hello, and uh, so for the rest of the game, he was like every about every inning, he was like, "I can't believe you guys pulled this off." That's hilarious. How many how how many innings did you do this for? Uh, we were there for probably an, an inning and a half before we uh, before he figured it out. Oh, that's outstanding. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. Fun times. Did and, they win? Uh, you know, did Thor, they win? Talk, uh, yes, they did actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's in. impressive. You yeah. changed the streak. Yeah. You changed and, the streak. Uh, they, they stopped snapped five game win, losing streak. And uh, Thor talked himself into a uh, free room for the evening, you know, at their house. Of course he did. Oh, well, yeah. Of course he did. So there. That's my out and about, a very detailed uh, out and about. But uh, there it is. Uh, so as always, Captain, we're out and about. Thank you.
Our Cleveland calendar is open to the month of July, and so that means Jen Brazovich from Destination Cleveland is back with us. We just celebrated July 4th. Hopefully everybody did that safely, but uh, the, the festivities and the summer fun doesn't end on July 4th, does it, Jen? No, it feels like we're just getting started, guys. We've got a ton of stuff to keep you busy for the rest of the summer. Well, what do we have? So, you know, of course, we've got a lot of summer favorites here in Cleveland. People like visiting their patios. Um, another shameless plug for the Cleveland Brewery Passport or the International Restaurant Passport if you're looking for a patio to drink or eat on. Um, Guardians games all summer long. These guys are getting fun to watch. I don't know. It could be, could be a good year. I'll, I'll knock on wood over here, but it's been a fun season so far. Um, and of course, visits to Edgewater Beach, um, our metro parks, all of the good outdoor stuff. But there's plenty of other options for Clevelanders with all interests. Um, and it all kicks off this coming weekend. We actually have two big things happening here in Cleveland. So the okay. first one first one is the Tall Ships Festival. This was last mm. year, 2019. You guys remember this? They bring in like all of yes. the big old ships and they dock up at North Coast Harbor. Um, so this starts on July 7th, runs to the 10th right there along the, the shores of Lake Erie at North Coast Harbor. And there is a little something for everybody. So whether you're looking to just go up by yourself or looking to take the family, um, you'll definitely have a good time there. Food, craft beer, live entertainment, some activities for the kids, a climbing wall. Um, you can board the ships, learn all about them, walk through them, ask the ship captains all sorts of weird questions that you have about these old ships. Um, and then each night there's special activities that are happening. So. If you've got the kids, maybe grab a babysitter, head down there for the night. There's going to be a happy hour. There's fireworks on the last night. Um, and then when it all kicks off on Thursday, there's the parade of sail where they bring all of the boats down through North Coast Harbor and, and bring them up to, to the coast there. Um, so a really cool thing happening. Um, hopefully the weather cooperates and we'll have a good couple of days out there at North Coast Harbor. Sure. Also. Also happening this weekend, um, a really cool event that we're excited about, Stonewall National Tournament and Summit. So this is the first time that Cleveland's hosting this event. It's going to be a really fun weekend here in the land. Um, this is an annual event. It's an inclusive event. Stonewall is a LGBTQ um, sports organization, organization that has chapters all across the country. So they're all going to come here to Cleveland. We're look, talking at um, over 1,600 athletes, their supporters, their friends, their family coming with them, 32 different states and Canada. And they're all going to have a tournament here in Cleveland. So um, they're going to play what we like to call recess sports, things like kickball and beach volleyball and bocce. Um, but really, it's just providing a really um, welcoming and inclusive environment for these athletes. And it's just such a great opportunity for us to showcase what an inclusive and welcoming destination um, our city is here. So um, like I said, 1600 athletes coming, you can check out some of those sporting events. Um, there's also a summit that will um, have a bunch of different talks and um, events talking about how to better serve queer and trans athletes. Um, and Clevelanders can get involved. They can watch the competition and join in on the post-tournament social parties, which I have on good authority are going to be a really good time. Um, <laughs> You don't have to be a, a, a kickball or volleyball player to join in the fun. They have a ticket called the Friend of Stonewall ticket. It's $35, gives you a t-shirt, some event swag, and then you get access to the tournament and the parties. So some really cool stuff happening um, in association with that this weekend. It's going to be a really big weekend here in Cleveland. We're going to have a ton of people downtown. I think the, the energy is just going to be off the charts, and, and we're really excited to be hosting this. Jen, that's super exciting. I, I do appreciate that information. That's some of the stuff that I'm going to be checking out. So I, I'm a planner, 
Jen, I, I don't know if you're a planner. I know Ted, he's definitely not a planner. We know this. Um, <laughs> I always like to crowd. look out, you know, a couple weeks out. Obviously, we're, I mean, it's hard to believe we talked about it at the beginning. We're in July 4th, and it seems like everything just kind of goes downhill after that. So if I want to get one last time with my kids or anything like that, to kind of do some special events, maybe looking a little bit into August. Is there any events in August that you maybe you would recommend for some family stuff or anything like that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it does kind of feel like it all goes downhill. Like you hit July 4th and you're like, oh my God, the summer's almost over, yep. but it's not. Yep. We've got plenty of time. Um, Blossom, Blossom Music Festival just kicked off over the July 4th weekend. So that's out at Blossom all summer long. This is another thing. It's like a uniquely Cleveland experience, like watching one of the country's top orchestras play in the middle of a national park. I mean, it's so cool. And they have a little something for everyone too. So even if you're not a classical music fan, um, they've got a Paul Simon tribute. They've got movie concerts, great for the kids um, with performances of the Lord of the Rings soundtrack and Harry Potter soundtracks, um, some Broadway hits, and then the series of classical performances, of course. They've got Beethoven's Ninth this summer, um, but they've got 14 different concert programs, 19 performances through Labor Day weekend. So um, a really great opportunity to get out there. That's one of my favorite things to do in summer in Cleveland is just pack a picnic and go and hang out at Blossom Music Center for the afternoon and then stay and, and catch the concert there. So that's a really cool thing. Um, the Asian Lantern Festival is back at Cleveland Metro Park Zoo this year. This is the fifth year for the festival has live performances every hour this year, some culturally inspired cuisine, and there's 70 large scale displays with thousands of individual lights and lanterns making these things up. Um, if you haven't checked it out, this isn't a can't miss thing. If you have checked it out, it's still a can't miss thing because they change the displays every year. So you're not gonna see the same thing that you've seen in past years. Um, just to note, this is a separate ticket from zoo admission. So if you're planning to go to the zoo for the day with the kids, the family, um, you do have to purchase an additional ticket to go to the Lantern Festival, but it's totally worth it. They have a walkthrough option. If you prefer uh, the comfort of the air conditioned car, they have a few drive through options for the summer too. So that's really cool. And then as you're you know, in the middle of the sweltering heat here in the summer, the humidity is rising, the heat is rising. And maybe you're just like, oh man, I can't wait for the snow to come back. I'm so happy that I live in Cleveland and that I get to experience the snow every winter. Don't worry. I know that you're just like chomping at the bit. For yeah, everybody's saying that. I know, right? Everyone's like, oh, never mind this beautiful sunshine. Get me some snow. Well, mm -hmm. Christmas in July is happening at North Coast Harbor at the end of July as well. Um, this is a chance to celebrate the most wonderful time of the year in the hottest time of the year. Um, but a lot of really cool stuff for the family there too. It's a one day event. It's got food trucks, activities for the kids, face painting, balloon artists, all, ice sculptures, all of that. And then an evening screening of the movie Elf. Oh, cool. And as a bonus, you can get a head start on your Christmas cards. You know, Christmas is going to be here before you know it. You got to get those cards going. Snap a photo with Santa at the Cleveland script sign, and you guys will be all set come November when it's time to order those cards. Um, and a cool thing that I've been talking about is maybe making it a whole like Christmas themed weekend. If you have kids who just can't wait for December, you can check out the Christmas story house over in Tremont, head down to Medina and check out Castle Noel. Um, maybe get some like snow cones and stuff to just really make it a full like winter themed weekend. Um, and then coming up in August, even more stuff. Feast of the Assumption is back this year. One oh, World yes. Day is back. Um, as we head into Labor Day weekend, the Cleveland National Air Show will be back over at Burke, at Burke Airport. Um, Oktoberfest is back over Labor Day weekend. So, I mean, it might feel like the summer is slipping away very quickly, but there's still plenty of chances to make the most of it. 
Oktoberfest. Ken, I'll drink to that. I know you will. I am. No doubt. Right. All no right, doubt. Jen. Well, uh, we appreciate the info. Uh, I hope everybody was taking notes or has the uh, rewind button on their <laughs> podcast ready to go because that was there's a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah, no shortage of stuff to keep you busy this summer. There's no excuse to not make the most of it. Jen, right. remind us, where do we find out the information if we, we're not able to go back real quick? Yeah, head to thisiscleveland.com if you weren't uh, ready with your pen and paper for this this recording. Uh, yeah, just head to thisiscleveland.com and you can check out all the stuff we talked about and find some new ideas there too. All right. Well, Jen, we appreciate it. And we'll see if we uh, spot you at any of these events. I'll be at definitely a few of them, including Oktoberfest for sure. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. All right, Ken, here we go with the news you probably haven't heard, but you certainly need to know about. An unidentified 72-year-old Ohio man is the first to be diagnosed with what doctors are calling a whistling scrotum. What? A whistling scrotum. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Oh, boy. An open wound from a testicle surgery five months earlier was making things painful for the gentleman and was the reason for the hissing noise. Oh, my. Coming from his scrotum. Now, that whole situation, the pain and whatnot, that whole situation caused him to have air trapped in his scrotum. That discomfort lasted two years. Oh, no. Come before on. Before doctors removed both of the man's testicles to fix the problem. I mean, I've heard of whistling Dixie, but never that. That's, uh, that's I, something different. If, 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 if that's happening to me, it's not going to take me two years no. to get to a doctor. No, that's, yeah, you got you to gotta see your doctor a little faster than that. That's, yeah. that's so. serious. I, I again can uh, for those uh, you know learning about how these uh, uh, stories are chosen. When the when you have the phrase whistling scrotum, it just automatically <laughs> gets put in. It's, I think that's, that's a band name too. Isn't it, I it? think it is. If it's not, yeah. it should be. I think it's yep. a country song. Country. Yeah. I think they both play both country and western. <laughs> a Florida man applying for a security job at Walt Disney World apparently tried to steal a statue of R2D2 worth about ten grand. David Emerson Proudfoot was stopped with a fake Disney name tag while moving the statue. He gave investigators a false name before they checked his ID. Then he said he didn't plan to actually steal the R2-D2 statue or really anything. Uh, he was just trying to point out security problems and get a better paying security job. So again, he didn't. He says he didn't plan to actually steal anything. He was just moving the statue. However, uh, investigators did get uh, to search his home, and that search suggests otherwise. It oh boy! Thousands of dollars worth of items from the park. Oh wow! Well, yeah, Proudfoot. Yeah. There you go. Not too proud there. No. The Big B Coffee Shop in Oshtemo, Michigan recently released their new brown sugar latte. 
They came up with a great marketing idea to go along with this, but it kind of got shot down. They wrote to the band Def Leppard. Yes. Asked if the band could come to their shop, help pr promote the, the new latte by performing Pour Some Sugar on Me. The management of the band did respond saying, thank you for your inquiry. Uh, we regret to inform you that Def Leppard will not be able to perform Pour Some Sugar on Me at your coffee shop to promote your brown sugar latte. The band is currently on their stadium tour. While your offer of unlimited bagels and lattes is generous, appearance fees start at half a million dollars. <laughs> if this meets your budget, we may be able to arrange an appearance in the future. We do ask for 12 months notice. We hope you'll make it to one of the concerts this summer. All the best with your promotion. That is outstanding. Def Leppard dropping it. Sugar on me. Brown sugar latte. You guys have time, you know, if you could just stop on by. Unlimited yeah. coffees yeah. and bagels. Unlimited. What's no, it? You got good. two semis worth of stuff? All right. Well, we'll see if we can't clear the parking lot. All right, there you go. Uh, is that a brown sugar latte you're drinking, by the way, Ken? Of course it is. Okay, all right. Well, that's this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. Ted, we have some good news. And this could okay. have been an overachiever, possibly. Oh. But we decided to put it right here. Okay. Congratulations to Bette Nash. Mm-hmm. The Boston woman is the world's longest serving flight attendant. Wow. Wow. The 86 year old has been working for American Airlines for 65 years, starting back in 1957. Wow. wow. She is absolutely positive of the Iron Woman. Yeah. Flight attendant. So that is very impressive. Hats off. To Miss Nash. That is, I mean, you're not going to come close to something like that. Wow. Time for our Cleveland history segment. That means we are joined by John Grabowski. And John, we'd like to talk to you about a lot of historic places, but one that comes to mind that I think a lot of people have a lot of information about and would like to learn more is the Cleveland Arena. Talk about the Cleveland Arena, some of the history with it, and what happened and why it kind of closed down way back when. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, the Cleveland Arena is uh, it's on a very historic site. It was on the site of uh, Charles F. Brush's estate, his mansion on Euclid Avenue. And after mm -hmm. Brush died, the mansion was torn down. Uh, but it's actually the creation of a man named Al Sutphin. And Al Sutphin was a partner in Braden Sutphin Inc. Company, which is on East 93rd Street. And Sutphin was uh, sort of a jock, if you will. Uh, Central High School, he played football, uh, but his passion was ice hockey. And uh, Sutphin eventually uh, bought an ice hockey team, one of the first ones that was known as the Cleveland Indians, believe it or not. Uh, he turned it into another name team and then was looking for a place for it. And uh, in 1937, on the site of that mansion, uh, that's where he built the Cleveland Arena. And uh, the arena really went gangbusters. I mean, the team that he owned became the Barons eventually. Uh, but the arena was used from 
It was used for Knights of Columbus track meets. It was used for basketball. You know, Cleveland had a couple of basketball teams that came and went before the Cavaliers came in. Um, but it was primarily ice hockey that, that was there, was the Barons. So, and, and they were one heck of a good team. We now have the Monsters today. But mm-hmm. it was a multi-purpose uh, venue. It had stores in the front. He was really wise. It just simply was an arena which could seat 10,000 people. But he had businesses that could be rent out, rented out on the front. Um, so a re- really, really good move. And, uh, and eventually when, when he sold the team and, and then the team uh, went into the hands of Nick Maletti. And, and Nick Maletti was the, the great sports star of Cleveland in the 1970s. You know, the Indians, the Cavaliers, and, and the hockey team. And the hockey team has a checkered history. But uh, Maletti uh, didn't want to use the facility for his basketball team. And uh, basically, he wanted a new facility. And they ended up building it out in Richfield, Ohio, uh, the Richfield Coliseum. And by that time, the, the arena was fairly empty and it was, it was demolished in 1977. But probably the most famous thing that happened at the arena was in 1952. It was the Moondog Coronation Ball. Mm. Yep. yep. Probably the, the first rock and roll ball, supposedly, if you will. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about the Moondog Coronation Ball is it lasted only through one number. Uh, they had- <laughs> It had oversold the tickets. The police had to be called in. Uh, it ended up not in a riot, but in a kind of a tussle and a hustle or whatever else. But I think that's what the arena probably is most famous for now. And uh, if you want to see the site today, it's the site where the American Red Cross headquarters are. <laughs> there isn't really anything left there from the arena, is it? Is I mean, if you didn't know the arena was there, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't, and, and you, wouldn't, okay. you wouldn't know that there was this incredible mansion there before the arena. Uh-huh. One of the things I joke about in a book is, is that one of the features of the mansion of uh, Charles F. Brush was a huge pipe organ. The, the pipes went up three stories in his oh. home. And so you can imagine the music that was played there and then assume that that resonated in 1952 when the first rock and roll concert was about on the same site. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. You know, it was an inner city arena. It was small. It didn't meet, you know, the needs that they felt for basketball, obviously. But, you know, the team is now the Richfield Coliseum's a field. Yeah. And the team is now back down at, uh, in, you know, the old uh, market district. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what goes around comes around. Yeah. You drive by that site there in Richfield and it's a it's a field. Yeah. You don't know that what used to be there, you'd have no no idea what used to go on there. Yeah, there's not even a sign out there or anything like that. They don't no, there's, there's nothing. Well, it's interesting when they built that. I used to do a lot of driving through the Cuyahoga Valley, and it was a really pastoral place. And finally, I saw this building rising on the horizon. And so my first letter to the editor that was ever published was basically I compared it to architecture of Albert Speer in the Third Reich. And it was a <laughs> but it's it's a real interesting history because you know ice hockey it really becomes feasible when you have mechanical systems to ice and the first ice hockey arena was basically the elysium which is right around the corner from me on euclid was right around the corner in university circle uh basically stokes boulevard and uh, euclid avenue so yeah well john great information 
once again, thanks again for the history lesson. Great to hear some information about the Cleveland Arena, which is always a historical facility. John, thank you so much. My pleasure, Kevin. Dad joke. Ken, which is faster, hot or cold? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, it's hot. Why? Well, you can catch a cold. That joke was horrible. Ken, we're wrapping up episode 92, uh, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. And, you know, we talk about lots of different things. And uh, it's vacation time. Uh, Disney, I don't know if you heard about this. You know, they had that real expensive Star Wars hotel. Yes. It's like five grand to go to the yeah. Star Wars hotel. Well, now they have a $5,000 Star Wars drink. A drink? A drink. One drink? The Star Wars Hyperspace Lounge on Disney's newest cruise ship, The Wish, has the $5,000 Kyber Crystal drink. Well, they bring this thing out and the doors open and there's smoke and okay. I don't know what's in it. Five grand. Wow. I mean, for $5,000, you can get some really good alcohol. I'll be honest yeah, with you. I, I, it might not even be alcoholic. I have no idea. Oh, my. Wow. Okay. Now, we were talking about out and about. Yep. And we talked about eating. Did yes. you see Joey Chestnut and the uh, hot dog eating contest yesterday? I did have I a should say on the 4th of July. The guy is, I mean, that guy, we talk about the goat. He is, he is the greatest eater of all time. That's where he's at. And he does, he's not fat. No. That's the amazing part. No. Well, this, this hot dog eating contest is actually part of a tour. I don't know if people realize that or not. It's part of the major league eating tour. Okay. And the eating of hot dogs is a discipline because the tour, they eat, it, each stop, they might eat something else. So I thought real quick, I would run through some of the other disciplines. Oh, perfect. Of major league eating contests. Love it. So we have hot dogs uh, in Minnesota. They have ribs at the Great Midwest Rib Fest. They have at the uh, major league eating uh, championship in Alabama. It's banana pudding. Oh, <laughs> they have a strawberry shortcake eating contest in Mattituck, New York, in Colorado at the State Fair, sloppers. I don't know what a slopper is, but I don't know. I was just going to ask you, is that like a sloppy Joe or maybe it could be? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, in New Jersey, Trenton, New Jersey, they have pork roll sandwiches. Oh, my. Uh, here's an interesting one. Uh the Outlaw Egg Rolls World World Egg Roll Eating Championship. Outlaw Egg Rolls. Wow. How many egg rolls can you eat? Holy cow. Uh, in Louisville, Texas, you have to eat tamales. Let's see. A couple more here. We have donuts in San Diego. We have pepperoni rolls in West Virginia. More donuts in Indiana. Uh, Texas sausage in uh, Manor, Texas. Sweet corn in West Palm Beach, Florida. Mm. Benny's Virginia Sliced Pizza in Virginia. Chicken Wings in Miami, Florida. Uh, St. Elmo Shrimp Cocktail. Oh, here we go. Indianapolis. That's you. Yep. I think you should yep. do that. They got 
Fat Boys Pizza in Baton Rouge. Spam. There's a spam eating contest, Ken. It's in Austin, Texas. And in Ohio, in Jeffersonville, Ohio. I know where that's at. Pumpkin pie. Really? Pumpkin pie. Do you know who won? So that contest was last October. Do you know who won? No. Joey Chestnut. Really? He ate 16 pounds and 12 ounces of pumpkin pie in eight minutes. 16 pounds of pumpkin pie in eight minutes. Oh, my Lord. So if you've like you ever had, have, have you ever tried to do, you know, how much no, can you eat? I, no, no, I, <clears throat> the only imagine. contest I've ever tried to do, and I couldn't do it. Baseball game, nine hot dogs, nine beers and nine innings. Oh, there you go. I made it two innings and I said, I'm done. I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. I have no way. I, I did see somebody go seven one time and we'll just leave it at, it didn't end well. So yeah. there we go. Well, that's Major League Eating. You can find out more about their events at MajorLeagueEating.com. Ken, will we see you on the Major League Eating? No, uh, absolutely not. If you had to do, all right, let's leave it with this. If you had to have a contest Mm -hmm. and somebody said, okay, you have to do Major League Eating, what would you choose to eat? Mm, What would I I choose to eat? I would do chicken nuggets. That's what I would do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I would eat uh, chocolate chip cookies. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. 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 That's a good In fact, one. I think I'm going to go have some right now. Uh, aggressively. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, Ted, thanks to our guests. Uh, once again, we appreciate all the time. Once again, we love the feedback from everybody. Continue with that. And uh, looking forward to uh, certainly more great shows. We have Zach Hamilton, who's the mm-hmm. uh, visual effects producer. He's on our show in two weeks. So it should be a. Uh, very interesting. Zach's been working on some pretty big shows and looking forward to hearing about uh, some of the things that he does. And obviously, just like everything else, everything changes because of COVID and how he does his work and all that stuff. So it's very interesting. Talk about the movie industry and all that stuff. So should be good. Anything fun coming up for you here soon? Yeah, mm, uh, baseball. No fun. Baseball's done. OK, baseball playoffs. All up. playoffs. Well, we'll see. Get your fingers ready for that app. So, well, Ted, appreciate it. And I just want to make sure we give a reminder to everyone, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Westminster AV, custom audio-visual packages for all occasions. A whistling scrotum. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I mean, I've heard of whistling Dixie, but never that. <laughs>